Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Lock it in. Fins up. Welcome to Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. It's pretty crazy to think we've done half a dozen of these already. But here we are. And you guys did not disappoint this week. 50 questions, not even including the ones that we got from the iTunes reviews. So I knocked myself out reaching for my phone to get the iTunes reviews. Today is Tuesday, March 14th. We are nine days away from the start of the 2020 NFL Draft. Man, this thing cannot get here fast enough. You you have the exhausting merry-go-round of opinions on all the players at this point in time. and We kind of know what we know. And we've talked about this before, and I've definitely touched on this on Draft Dudes, my uh, thedraftnetwork.com podcast that I work with with Joe Marino, who, despite being a Buffalo Bills fan, is a great guy. Every year in the draft cycle, you get to this point of exhaustion. And I think we've reached that point now, about a week and a half out. It's a little later than it usually comes. Usually this is end of March, beginning of April, where it's like, okay, can we just sim to the end now and get this thing over with? (laughs) Going to dig in with a lot of great questions that we have today. Uh, let's start first and foremost with Finn's fan number one. Left a five-star review on the show. Hat tip to you, good sir or ma'am. What position would the Dolphins most likely to triple up on in the draft? We've talked on this show about doubling up. Uh, he, He or she gave the options of offensive tackle, running back, or defensive back. I don't think they'll triple up on running back because you got Jordan Howard, you do have Miles Gaskin, who this exact coaching staff and uh, regime picked last year in the draft. Seems like Patrick Laird, the intern, uh, did some nice things, might have some sticking powers or receiving back. So I don't think they'll triple up at back. Defensive back, I can definitely see offensive tackle. You carry much more defensive backs than you do offensive tackles. So I would lock in defensive back between corner and safety is the most likely that the Dolphins would triple down on during the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, GP and Harrisonburg also left a five-star review. Hat tip to you. Thank you very much. Looking at 18 and 26, rank the best available players who could slide for some reason that you think the Dolphins could take, even if they don't meet immediate needs, needs like offensive tackle, safety, and edge. Example would be one of the big three receivers available at 18. This is a great question. And I would put any of the big three receivers being available at 18 as, unless one of the big four offensive tackles is available, I'm going with the big three receiver over offensive tackle five or less. I would rather have CeeDee Lamb or Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy and then come back and get Austin Jackson at 26 and get J.K. Dobbins at 39 then take Josh Jones and then start playing the game of asking yourself, you know, then you take J.K. Dobbins at 29 and Antoine Winfield at 36. And the, the, the Antoine Winfield's a great player. J.K. Dobbins is a great player. But you get a blue chip player in that scenario if one of those guys falls. 
Uh, 26 is a little difficult because it's, it's murky. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot that can go sideways between uh, 1 and 20, 25 that would have the Dolphins have a blue chip player land, especially because they'd be available at 18. I don't think the, the closer we get, though, I will say this. Uh, safety is a position that does meet an immediate need. I don't see it being in play at 18 at this point in time. It seems like the writing on the wall is uh, the safeties are going to slide a little bit. McKinney didn't run well. He ran 4.63. Delpit has the incomplete athletic profile and uh, the tackling issues. And Antoine Winfield had some durability issues. His seasons were ended prematurely in 2017, 2018. This is a fifth-year redshirt sophomore, which if you're not familiar with uh, eligibility, that's like unheard of. So I think those guys will be around later. I don't think that's in play for Miami at this point in time. Uh, love the pod from Igons88. Another five-star review. Thank you. My question would be, what would you do for the Dolphins at five if, let's say, Burrow goes one and Herbert at three or four? I'd probably draft Tua. <laughs> um, my quarterback rankings at thedraftnetwork.com are finalized. They've been finalized. It's Joe Burrow's QB1. Tua Tungavaloa is QB2. Justin Herbert is QB3. One interesting exercise that I did do, I think it was about a week ago. Might have been a week ago today. I looked back over, I've been covering the NFL draft for this is my seventh draft, which is insane to think about. I ranked all of the quarterback prospects I have graded in the last four years. So it's the past three complete NFL draft classes and this draft class yet to take place. And I compiled my rankings of how they would all stack up against one another. Joe Burrow is the best grade I've given to a quarterback in the last four years. Tua is the third best grade I've given to a quarterback in the last four years. Number two was Baker Mayfield. Justin Herbert is five. Jordan Love also made the top ten, along with a slew of guys like, uh, I don't know, NFL MVP Lamar Jackson, who I had inside my top 32 players in 2018 but was inevitably low on because he should have been like a top five player. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Sam Darnold was on that list. Just pulling guys off the top of my head. Mitchell Trubisky made the list. I'm sorry. There's going to be variability. <laughs> it's nature of the beast. Uh, okay, let's get one more from Keegan off of iTunes. Fantastic team building insight. Really love the direction Kyle's taking the podcast. Well, thank you. For Power to the Pot, I want to know, with it being more and more likely that the top four tackles are gone by 14 or 15, yes, and Minnesota with two first-rounders in the 20s, mind you, this is not Keegan talking, this is me talking, uh, both those Minnesota picks are in between 18 and 26. As well as the recent history of players like Titus Howard and Caleb McGarry being drafted in the first round, do you start see our hand being forced into Josh Jones at 18, obviously barring a trade-up? Uh, yes. If the Dolphins want a high-end tackle prospect, you're getting one of the big four, Josh Jones, or you're going to be settling on OT6 or worse, which would be like Austin Jackson. 
or Ezra Cleveland, or Isaiah Wilson at right tackle. If you draft two of them, he's left-handed. Isaiah Wilson, I think, is a realistic possibility at 26. I'm not crazy about it because he's super raw. So is Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson plays left tackle. He's a little bit better mover. Uh, But yeah, I think Josh Jones at 18, if you want to check that box for offensive tackle, I learned my lesson the hard way for the Locked On Network. I passed on... Um, I passed on Josh Jones at 18. I said, I'll get him when he comes back around 26. Nope, he would go on. And I took Caleb on chase on at 18. <laughs> Who's a better player? I have rated as a better player. So I don't regret drafting Caleb on chase on, but man, it sucked. Because Cesar Ruiz and Josh Jones came off the board in that simulation for the Locked On Network, which I definitely recommend you guys check out. It's on the Locked On NFL. Getting into the Twitter questions. Mordecai wants to know if I've been practicing my squash call. Uh, this is an inside joke from Draft Dudes. Um, ESPN had obviously has a lot of blank filler time uh, to with no sports to broadcast. So uh, they broadcasted something that had to do with uh, like a, a Sasquatch festival in northern New York or something like that. These people were doing these... Um, at the end of the, the festival, they do Sasquatch call competitions. So Joe and I tried out our Squatch calls, and I'd like to say mine was unquestionably better than Joe's, but uh, I let the listeners be the judge there. I, I won't I won't toot my own horn or toot my own Squatch too hard. Aiden wants to know what the Dolphins are going to do with Josh Rosen. Probably going to keep him. I would expect... <sighs> If the Dolphins draft a second quarterback this year, the writing is on the wall that Rosen's going to be out of the picture. Because Fitz ain't going anywhere this year. Whoever they draft as their first pick is going to be here, unquestionably. What they ultimately choose to do with Rosen is, would they rather roll the dice on another mid-round investment in a quarterback, or would they just like to continue to work with Josh Rosen? If they draft another quarterback, like, let's stick the fork in this dude. He's toast. It seemed like Josh really worked hard, uh, tried to pick up the system. The coaches had good things to say about him at the end of the year as far as growth that we didn't see in the public eye because it was behind closed doors. I think the long-term play for him is he's probably going to be the backup. He may end up being the backup if they draft Tua. They decide to, to effectively redshirt Tua. Fitzpatrick's in a contract year. He's getting close to 40. He's going to be done after this year, most likely. So Rosen could feasibly play out the backup quarterback role for the next two years. And you get him snaps in the preseason. If a team has a quarterback go down and they're they're desperate, you can flip him and get some potential good return on investment. You won't get what you paid for him, which was the two, of course. Uh, I think they sent a two and a five to Arizona. For him, they won't get that value at this point unless Rosen starts balling out in the preseason, which we wouldn't hold our breaths for. Um, okay, Brandon wants to know, power to the pod with our late round picks. Could you see Miami going after um, DJ Dallas or Tyshun Render? Both seem like good developmental players. I like DJ Dallas a lot. The you know, long speed's not great, uh, but he's got some nice 
density to him as a runner. I like the way that he challenges tacklers. He's got some big plays on his resume at Miami. So yeah, I could I could definitely see, you know, if they want to go late round, I'd be surprised if they continued to hit running back super heavy, as we talked about a little earlier in the show. But um, DJ Dallas is a good football player, and if the Dolphins want to uh, really restock that room, and if they're committed to getting rid of Kalen Balaj, which I would be, then um, yeah, I definitely think that should be on the table. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game. Sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I could think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery deliveries and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store. No more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to go to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within one hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked on NFL. That's code Locked on NFL for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates apps. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Picking back up with some of your more great questions. Uh, you guys have brought the heat this week. Let's go with a question from Tom Bovee. If I said that wrong, my apologies. If the Dolphins have Tua Herbert and Love ranked similarly, what are your thoughts on seeing if one of them falls to 18 and going a different direction at 5? Seems to me like one of them has to be there. Thanks. This is a pretty popular alternate reality theory for Dolphins fans as of late. But I would say this. If you have a guy that you're willing to draft at 18, you best not get cute and just draft him at 5. Quarterback is that one position where all bets are off, you are opening the door for trouble, and if you're going to take somebody else at five and then just draft the quarterback by trading up, you should just take the quarterback at five and trade up for the other guy you were hoping to get. Um, Because 18 is a long ways off when you consider some of the teams that feasibly, maybe not realistically, but feasibly could draft a quarterback. The Carolina Panthers at seven. Jacksonville Jaguars at nine. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders at 12 have been tied to a quarterback. The San Francisco 49ers, they're committed to Jimmy G, but they're not committed to Jimmy G long-term. New Orleans Saints at 24 looming on the horizon. New England Patriots at 23 looming on the horizon. So it gets really hazy. And the entire point of the way the Dolphins approach their rebuild was to position themselves to get the quarterback position locked in. I don't think I get why people ask that question and say, well, why wouldn't they just consider letting the rest of the league make the decision for them and getting their guy at 18? But if you if you're willing to invest that guy at 18, you should theoretically be ready to invest in that guy at five as well. And I don't think you should mess around when it comes to quarterbacks and play 
uh, roulette with the rest of the league and play chicken with the rest of the league when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, Morgan, are there any free agents left you think Miami may pick up before or after the draft? I think signing a free agency is, free agents is just about done for the Dolphins. Uh, we talked a little bit about their cap structure and the, and the cost of uh, rookies and their rookie class as things stand right now. And uh, it's going to be an expensive rookie class for the Dolphins. It's almost $19 million in cap space, and they're credited with about $23 million. So, no, I, I don't think they'll go that way. They might get some one-year prove-it uh, vet minimum guys, uh, but I don't think anybody of real note. Uh, Mike Samuels, what are the odds we take one of the top two defensive tackles or one of the top three wide receivers if they fall to 18? So top two defensive tackles is interesting. We've touched on the wide receivers. I had not considered very significantly if Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown is there uh, for Miami. Fun fact, uh, I actually have Justin Matabuike from Texas A&M as my defensive tackle too this year. Go watch his tape. He's really fun. So is Ross Blacklock from TCU. Kinlaw and uh, Derek Brown. I would like the value of Derek Brown a lot. Uh, I think Derek Brown is a little bit more versatile. I think Kinlaw at this point in time, he's a little bit more raw with his hand usage. He's more of an A-gap defender. I think Brown can play more up and down the line of scrimmage. I think he'd probably be a better fit. But if you looked at... The pure need for Miami nose tackle is the position that's lacking. I think Devon Godchow can play really well in odd fronts in the B gap and pair him with Christian Wilkins. And if you get a big, powerful stalwart that's going to run through centers and gobble up double teams, and Kinlaw can do, Derek Brown can do that too. Uh, but I think Derek Brown's more diverse. If they wanted to check the box, the question is, what's the value of a nose tackle? Well, if you ask Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants, it's about a top 20 pick. So I wouldn't take it off the table if they're there. I'd be very surprised if either one of them was there at 18. Arturo. Albert Wilson hasn't been cut yet. Do you think he's getting his contract restructured, or do you think he'll still be cut sometime before the preseason starts? Uh... I, the Dolphins have no rush to make this decision. I think the Dolphins are going to kind of play a wait-and-see game. They're not up against the cap. They're about done spending cap. Uh, but they're not like, we can't fit our rookie class under the salary cap. We're going to have to move guys in manufacturer space. They've done a nice job leaving themselves a little bit of buffer. I think they'll probably look and see how the wide receiver class falls for them in the 2020 NFL Draft. We may get on the far side of the draft and they pick up an early wide receiver that they feel can be plug and play. And that's probably where you'll see Wilson uh, get axed if he's going to get cut after the draft at this point, because there's no guaranteed money deadlines on his contract right now. It's all just going to be uh, base salary. He's got base salary for the actual season of the games, which they could take all the way up if they wanted to all the way up until opening opening day. Andrea Castello. Seems like McKinney and Delpit are sliding on the experts' draft boards. Yes. Uh, seems like I've heard Winfield may be the best safety in the draft. Given pick 18 is in no man's land, do you see us drafting safety at 18? If so, who? Or wait until 39.56 to grab my guy, Jeremy Chin. Oh, man. It's a difficult proposition. I think Ashton Davis of Cal is big time in play for Miami as well. 
Would I be surprised to see Miami go quarterback, fill in the blank, running back safety with their first four picks? No, I would not. Because I think they they would probably like to guarantee they get their first crack, the crack at all the running backs in the class and get their choice. We've got three first-round picks. I would not do it. Again, distinguishing between things that I think and things that are realistic because we have to explore all the possibilities here on this show. Um, I think it's realistic to expect that the Dolphins swing a running back at 26 and get their pick of the litter because I don't. that's like the only spot that I feel like running back is sensible in the first round other than like maybe Kansas City at 32 if they really want to get the last infinity stone and just go absolutely nuts. Uh, DW, the Drew Welch on Twitter. How many people freak out when the Dolphins draft from Hurts or no QB at all? Uh, I would be stunned if they don't draft a quarterback. I would not be surprised if they chose to double dip at quarterbacks if from or Hurts were the second guy drafted uh, because from is super high IQ, coaches love him. Uh, Hertz is super blue collar, great team leader, athletic, has the quote unquote it factor. I believe, Drew, I think you mentioned this a little later too, that the uh, Dolphins coaching staff looking for the guys with the it factors, and both those guys do have those it factors. Uh, From, I do not think, has NFL requisite arm talent. Jalen Hurts is just going to have to, he's going to be a work in progress, but I think he can get there. I think he's got enough physical tools that he could be a starting quarterback someday. Chris Murray. Why is it whenever two is linked to Miami, there's always talk of the injury thing, uh, but whenever he's linked to the Chargers at six, it doesn't seem to be a problem. It's a great, great question. Um, Listen, I just think Miami Dolphins fans in general are very passionate about what they believe and what they think is best for the team. And I don't want to sit here and dump on Chargers fans, but you know, when the Chargers moved to Los Angeles and like you look at Chargers attendance rate and, and the the power of the fan base and the passion of the fan base, I'll say this for Dolphins fans. Last two decades have sucked for all of us but I still talk to a ton of people every single day that care a lot about this football team. And you should be damn proud that you care about this football team after the last 20 years. Because it can break you down. It can make you quit. But if you still care about the Dolphins, you're still listening to Locked On Dolphins, you are one hell of a sports fan, you are one hell of a loyal person, and I respect the hell out of you for it. Even if we don't agree on what the Dolphins should do, and even if we don't agree when the Dolphins make their decisions on what the outcome is going to be. We'll find out together, but we're going to all root for this team together. We got Jeffrey with another Jake Fromm question. Jake Fromm beat out Jacob Eason, who went to Washington, and Justin Fields, who's at Georgia now, or at Ohio State now. He started at Georgia, transferred out to go to Ohio State, and was Ohio State's quarterback this year. Fromm runs a pro-style offense. If you could get two solid offensive tackles at 5-18, and 18, trade up if you have to, and then get teammates Fromm and Swift in round two, with a year to have Fitz teach an offense, would you do it? I would not, and the reason why is I've mentioned Jake Fromm's arm. I watch Jake Fromm, and he reminds me of like Cody Kessler, Aaron Murray, and those guys just don't have the they don't have athleticism to extend plays within the pocket or get outside the pocket or beat you with their legs. 
They don't have big-time arm strength. Their balls float to get to destinations that are outside of 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. So you don't have a guy that's going to win outside of structure. You don't have a guy that's going to test all areas of the field. He's just too handcuffed for me. He's a smart player. I think he's going to be a great backup in the pros. But Jake Fromm would not be my answer for the Miami Dolphins. And if that was who they ultimately chose to be their guy, that would be one I'd be pissed with. Oh, Andrew Outwater is looking to just raise my blood pressure through the roof. What would be your Charles Harris at 5, 18, and 26? This is a great question. Uh, I've been doing live shows, obviously not this year with, with the COVID-19 situation and, and travel restrictions and whatnot. Everybody look, you know, looking out to take care for yourselves and, and being safe. Uh, not doing it this year. But in each of the last three seasons, I've traveled to and done an online broadcast wire-to-wire the entire NFL draft, live coverage. And I remember this, 2017 was the first year that we did it and me and Joe, who my podcast partner at Draft Dudes with the Draft Network, we were with NDT Scouting at the time, which was my own startup draft uh, scouting service. We're in the elevator on the way down to go to the studio to do the broadcast the first night. And Joe asks me in the elevator, he says, who's that guy that if your team takes, you're going to be totally pissed? I said, Charles Harris. When you know it, pick 22 rolls around and Dolphins draft Charles Harris. And it took every ounce of my being not to freak out on the air because I did not like that pick. And fast forward three years later, the man has three and a half more sacks in the NFL than I do. But um, who would those guys be for me this year? At five, the Dolphins are going to have a really hard time finding a player that's going to piss me off. This is a great draft class. I expect them to go quarterback. If they don't go quarterback, if they do go into the alternate reality of BPA at five, we're going to get our our quarterback at either 18 or we're going to trade up from 18 to get him. Cool. Nope. Just take Mekhi Becton, take Isaiah Simmons. Don't take a safety. Don't take a running back. Don't take a linebacker other than Isaiah Simmons because he's not really a linebacker. He's whatever the hell you want him to be. Take Jedrick Wills, take Tristan Wirfs. You're going to have a hard time pissing me off at five. Even the big three quarterbacks, you know, it's you trade up for Joe Burrow, I'll be, I'll be fine, unless you trade like six first-round picks. You draft two, I'm going to be fine. You draft Justin Herbert, I'm going to be fine. As I said earlier, these, these, those three quarterbacks are all within the top five grades at the quarterback position that I've given out over the last four years. Obviously, that means I was lower than I should have been on Lamar Jackson, who I mentioned, and, and Patrick Mahomes, who also made that list but was not inside the top five because he was a little bit more high variability. I've said this a couple of times, but if Mahomes goes to Cleveland and plays for Hugh Jackson, is he the Mahomes that we know now? I don't know. A lot of these, a lot of these great players come back to right pairing of coach, personnel, and individual talents, and that's why I'm not freaking out about the options for the quarterback for Miami because – they're going to have a coach that I trust a lot in Brian Flores based on what he showed last year. And the personnel, Devontae Parker, big step forward. Mike Isecki, big step forward. Preston Williams, promising young talent. We're going to build up the offensive line and invest in it. We're going to rebuild in the running game. 
So you got a lot of promising pieces to build around no matter who they choose. At 18, uh, Austin Jackson would be one I would not be happy with at 18. DeAndre Swift, a running back, would not be somebody I'd be happy with at 18. I think DeAndre Swift's going to be a great NFL player. Austin Jackson scares the hell out of me. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State scares the hell out of me. If you're talking top 20, top 30 picks, guys that are, for me, just way too much variability. Would I like to believe the coaching staff could get the most out of those physical talents that, that both those two offensive tackles that I mentioned have? Yes, I'd like to believe that. But that's a big old fat roll of the dice that I would not, I would not be thrilled to have to endure and, and watch us undertake. Uh, Courtney. It's a good question from Courtney. I haven't heard much about Lucas Nyang. But if the Dolphins draft two at five, wouldn't it be best for them to draft him in the second or third round instead of reaching for Austin Jackson? Hello? Or Josh Jones in the first round? I read he's on schedule to be healthy next season. Uh, I know the medicals are the big reason, Courtney, why we have not heard a lot about Lucas Nyang. The expectation is with uh, the lack of medical rechecks and pro day visits and, and individual team doctors working hand-on-hand with, with players with some injury issues, uh, Lucas Nang, the expectation is going to slide a little bit, but he's a guy I have a gold star next to because if he's healthy, yes, you're absolutely right. And that kind of brings me to a sidebar that I want to touch on here. Uh, we keep talking about uh, a guard and a, an interior offensive lineman and a tackle for the Dolphins. Wouldn't it be interesting if they took two tackles and moved Jesse Davis to right guard? Jesse Davis has the ability to do it. If you told me we could get Josh Jones and Lucas Nyang at 18 and 70, I am ready to rumble. Because Jesse Davis, for all of his lack of consistent push up front, he's like 320 pounds. He's a big dude. Eric Flowers, big dude. Josh Jones, big dude. Lucas Nyang, big dude. Like... The Dolphins get, like, we're going to have to come up with a name for this rushing attack if this thing materializes the way that we're hypothesizing that it could right now. Again, I'm not conflicting myself. I'm just exploring hypotheticals. If you get Lucas Nang at 70, and you draft an all, a left tackle early on, and you move Jesse Davis to guard, uh, this is good. it's going to have to be like the tidal wave in Miami. For their rush, the nickname for their rushing attack, because they are gonna roll over defensive lines with the size and some of that athletic ability. You get Josh Jones handled in pass protection. If you've got a left-handed quarterback, he's gonna be the play side, so the quarterback's gonna be able to see that rush coming a little cleaner. Well, it's an interesting proposition. Or technically, they could trade up from 18 and get Mekhi Becton and then go Mekhi Becton and keep 70 and go Mekhi Becton, Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Jesse Davis, Lucas Nang. Oh, my God. Let's go. I'm ready to go right now. <laughs> Let's get a couple more here. Um, Mark Downey with Baker, Jerome Baker's athleticism. Do you see him taking snaps at safety? No, not really. I don't think he's that... He's a great athlete. 
but they they worked on tacking on some weight for him and getting him into the firmly into the 220s. So I think he is three down linebacker. He's going to hit far reaching zones as a linebacker. So he's going to have value, but deep areas of the field, no. I don't think that's something that they would put on his plate, maybe very sparingly in in specific matchups and situations with opposing personnel. Uh, Piero, this question is coming from my 10-year-old son. I had to get this one in when I saw this coming. This is really cool. They say Tua slept with a football as a baby. Do you recall having a favorite stuffed animal growing up? I do. I do. Uh, I used to sleep. I don't know if you guys remember the Beanie Babies. But I used to have a Beanie Baby dolphin that, as a kid, I would sleep with. And that was my equivalent of Tua with a football. And that's probably why I'm podcasting about football instead of, like Tua, actually playing football. (laughs) Uh, El Cid Ciento 33. Why did the team that wasn't expected to win much last year lose so many coaches? Is it fair to expect a regression in coaching? No, I don't think so. Because it all starts from the top down. Brian Flores is your CEO of the coaching staff. And his tone, his culture is the word in the locker room, period. At the end of the day, the people that Flores hired to bring in were targeted and chosen because of their coaching style and their ability to teach. Does it hurt to lose that much continuity, yes. But at the same time, the Dolphins' roster is going to be 50 to 60% brand new players again this year. Continuity is not going to be a thing for the Dolphins for a while. But you've got the man at the top who sets the tone, who sets the meetings, who directs his coaches is the same one that it was before. And that is the most invaluable piece because if he's organized and he's doing his job right, then the people that he's bringing in to work with his players are being chosen because of how they work with players and how they teach and how they communicate. See, we heard that with Gerald Alexander, the, the defensive backs coach that was brought in from Cal. Even talking about you know Robbie Brown and, and Shane Gailey and, and Flores talked, I believe it was at the Combine, he talked about these guys were selected because of their coaching style and, and how it's going to mesh and match with how Flores wants to coach. So no, I'm not overly worried about the overturn uh, in the coaching staff because I think we're going to continue to see that overturn as the Dolphins turn, churn their roster, but Flores is going to be the staple. You know, it's, it's, it, it took Chad O'Shea a month to find a wide receiver coach job after he was let go. And Patrick Graham got poached because another Patriots disciple got a head job in New York with the Giants. I did not get to all of your questions, but I tried to keep this line moving as best as I possibly could to get as many of them in as I possibly could. You guys did not disappoint. If I did not touch your question, don't be deterred. Keep asking questions. I'm going to answer some of these questions over at uh, USA Today's Dolphins Wire, uh, which I'm the managing editor of. I take advantage of getting so many great and compelling discussion points from all of you uh, to turn those into written content as well. So swing over there and check it out. If you uh, so feel compelled, if I didn't get to your question, I may be writing about it as well. We're going to be back tomorrow. We got nine days left until the 2020 NFL draft. We got lots to look forward to, lots to dig into. So hit subscribe, come on back, be ready for power to the pod next week. Gotten some really awesome 
you know, DMs from you guys as well, uh, talking about what we're doing here on Locked On Dolphins. And if you have been one of those people that's reached out to me, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your listenership. Thank you for your continued support. Please continue to stay safe. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.